You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Portobello, Panama. That's right, I've been accompanying a cruise down from Panama City through the canal along the Caribbean coast. We're in Portobello, then we go down into the Cunayala, Sapsuro, Capurgana, uh, Lorica, and then on to Cartagena. So I'm one of the enrichment guides on this Nat Geo cruise. So that's very cool indeed. Very interesting job for me this year. But this is episode 446 of Link Podcast. We are talking to Simon Kutcher of the World Mosquito Program. Now, most of you out there will know and have felt and have been irritated by the continual biting and stinging of mosquitoes. So we're going to talk about the projects being put together and working in Colombia right now to try and eradicate some mosquito-borne diseases. Pretty incredible science. So we will go over after the news to speak to Simon Kutcher about the projects in the World Mosquito Program. Thank you for listening. And we're back. This is segment three of the Columbia Calling Podcast. I'm Richard McCall in Bogota, Colombia. I do have a two and a half year old on my lap, so I apologize in advance. His name is Francis. But my very special guest this week is in Medellin. He's Simon Kutcher, the senior project manager for the World Mosquito Program. Now, I'm, you know, I, I am, this is something that's very close to my heart. So I'm hoping that Simon gets to, you know, Explain to us exactly what's going on. So, Simon, welcome on the Columbia Calling podcast. Great. Thank you, Richard. So, yes, I'm Simon Kutcher. I'm with um, the World Mosquito Program, and, uh, and we have a, a novel intervention um, to target the diseases that are transmitted by Aedes aegypti. Mm. Um, and um, those diseases are, are dengue, zika, chikungunya, and, ye- and yellow fever. Um, mm. And so those diseases cause, um, you know, um, sorry, they're, they're um, large diseases, especially dengue, which is responsible for about um, 400 million cases per year. Um, and most of those are in, are in urban areas. Um, and most people can remember the problems that uh, Zika caused in Brazil in 2016 um, and chikungunya and, uh, and yellow fever are a constant threat in, um, in many places around the world. So that's the problem. That's the problem that we're tasked with solving. And, um, and our solution is something that we think is quite elegant. It's quite neat. It doesn't involve any of the traditional vector control. Um, what we, what we uh, use is a bacteria called Wolbachia. And Wolbachia exists in uh, about 60% of all insects, but it does not exist in um, the mosquitoes that transmit diseases such as Aedes aegypti for, mm. for, for dengue and in the Anopheles mosquitoes, which transmit malaria. Mm. Um, and so about 18 years ago, 
Um, Professor Scott O'Neill, um, the leader of the World Mosquito Program, he came up with an idea about what if you could put wool back in Egypt dye um, that have uh, an impact on the transmission of disease. Mm. And what actually happened was that it did. It actually blocked the disease, um, repl the, the virus replicating inside the mosquito. And so it, it didn't allow them, it, it, the mosquito could feed on somebody who, who had the dengue virus in, inside their system, but the virus wouldn't grow inside the mosquito and then be able to be transferred to somebody else. Um, and so over the last 18 years or so, we've been working on how to, on how to get mosquitoes with Bulbachia into environments that are at high risk um, of these diseases. This is amazing. I mean, let's just go through the diseases that you've been sort of let's uh, reducing the cases of. And so we're looking at chikungunya. Let's start with chikungunya and Zika. We don't hear about them so much. Uh, obviously, you know, let's say the, the perhaps the worst days are over. I dare say it. But I guess things are being underreported due to the pandemic as well. Yeah, so that's correct. I mean, Zika sort of blew through the Americas in 2016. Um, and there's still some low-lying cases of it around, but you don't hear about much in Colombia. Um, and that is basically because we don't test a lot for it in Colombia um, and we aren't seeing cases of microcephaly, which is when the babies are born with the very small heads. And so yes. if 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 you aren't seeing the if you aren't seeing that that outcome, there's there's less concern in the public health industry to be looking for, for Zika. Um, mm. Chicken gunya is is comes and goes about every five to six years. And and when it is in Colombia, it's generally found on the Caribbean coast. Yeah. Um, and that's generally because of the the, the shipping that that comes in from other parts around the world. Um, and so if you if you hear about chica, you, chikungunya, you usually hear about it in, in Santa Marta, Cartagena, and Banakija. Um, we definitely don't hear about it in Medellin or in, in Cali. So yeah, it's a it's um so Colombia is the other thing I should say about Colombia is that um is that out of the 50 million people, only about 30 million people are at risk of mosquito-borne diseases. And that's because the other 20 million live at altitudes too high for the mosquitoes to exist. And, and 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 some of the logistics here. You set up the project. I mean, it's all over the. You know, you're in four or five countries worldwide, right? The project. But why did you choose? Um, why did you choose Medellin as the seat? Yeah, so that's a really good good question. And uh, and and the reason for that is obviously there are there are three major countries for for Aedes aegypti borne diseases in the Americas: Brazil, obviously being the largest. Uh, Colombia and Mexico, and so and so we wanted to target um, um, those countries, and so we had been working with uh, um, a research organisation in Brazil for a number of years, right from the very start of the project. Yeah. But in about 2012 or 13, um, um, Professor Scott O'Neill, who I mentioned previously, he yeah. met with some Colombian researchers at at a um, at a, um, a conference. And and the two major cities for dengue transmission in the country is Cali is number one, which is responsible for about eleven to twelve percent of all dengue transmission every year, and the second is the Abura Valley where Medellin sits, and that's at about eight percent. 
And so, and so Medellin is an important city um, in terms of Aedes aegypti diseases, and uh, and we wanted to to work with some well known researchers. And so we worked with a group called Perset, um, which is which is based inside the University of Antioquia, and it was it's led by um, Ivan Dario Velez, um, who's a very well respected um, tropical disease researcher in this country. Okay, I get that. I get that. And and I mean, you know, I I spend a lot of time up on the Caribbean coast, and so I mean, it, it would it strikes me as more in you know, obviously the up there in the tropics and so on, rainy season, wet, wet season, dry season. Uh, some neighbors, unfortunately, uh, tragically lost uh, well their 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 daughter succumbed to dengue and died. I remember it because the walls are low and we could hear them crying and so on. Um, how I want to know really how you're getting this mosquito out there, this mosquito with your with it's the Wolbachia is what you were saying the Wolbachia mosquito. How are you getting it out there into these homes and into these areas where where obviously the, the you know these diseases are more prevalent? Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting question because that was that was the hardest part. And so the the initial work, this initial laboratory work um, that we started about almost twenty years ago was about how, how do you take the bacteria and get it into a mosquito where it doesn't naturally exist? And so and so what what they did was they used a technique called micro injection. And so they took the bacteria and they put it into cell culture of Aedes aegypti. So it would become used to living inside Aedes aegypti cells. And then and that took a very long time. And then after that, they they took that Wolbachia and in put it into a very fine needle. And then they injected it into the eggs of um, Aedes aegypti mosquitoes. And that took thousands and thousands and thousands of attempts. And if you see how it's done, it's done under a microscope with a with a robot, and they have to line up all the eggs. The eggs have to be freshly laid so that the shell doesn't doesn't become too hard. And then this little needle goes into each one and um, and and sprays a bit of uh, Wolbachia inside. And the idea is that is that uh, at at some point the Wolbachia exists inside those embryos, and then when the mosquitoes are born, they have Wolbachia inside them. So that was a crazy, crazy um, um, time and, a, and a, a very difficult experiment. And as you can imagine, it probably sent some scientists a little bit mad. But after that, the great thing about Wolbachia is that if the mother has Wolbachia, 100% of her babies will have Wolbachia, okay? So Wolbachia is transferred from mother to child regardless of whether she mates with a, a male that has Wolbachia or not. And so it's it's a it's a fantastic trait of Wolbachia that allows it to move through a population once it's inside there. So, so that was the first thing. So we have mosquitoes with Wolbachia. We then backcross those to local Aedes aegypti mosquitoes. And so we take Wolbachia mosquitoes and we mate them with males from Medellin or males from Kali and we create a line of mosquitoes that are, are, are genetically exactly the same as the wild type mosquito population in that in that city but but they have Wolbachia inside them so we have to build a very big insectary and so in Medellin, we have an insectary that you would have seen in that video is capable of producing 30 million mosquito eggs a week and in there, we produce the mosquitoes that we then release into the wild. 
Okay. So, and that's a very difficult process. No one in their right mind has ever produced that numbers of mosquitoes. You know, for the last 70, 80 years, we've spent our lives trying to kill mosquitoes, not to grow them. And so it's it's not a uh, it's not a skill that that many people in the world had. There are lots of um, people that have skills in 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 rearing insects, um, like sterile control of uh, agricultural pests, but not in in the mosquito world. So we have to to grow the mosquitoes, and then after that, you have to to get them into the environment. And so there's there's a number of ways that we do that. Um, the 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 first or easiest way is to re release adult mosquitoes. And so we grow the mosquitoes into adults and we put them into a tube, not dissimilar to this to this drink bottle. Um, and you put about 100 mosquitoes in the drink bottle. You take it to a point on the road and you just open it up and let the mosquitoes fly away. And we generally do that about every, every 50 metres, every 100 metres down a road. And you release about 100 mosquitoes, 150 mosquitoes at every point and you just keep doing that for 15 to 20 weeks and then over time the Wolbachia mosquitoes replace the wild type mosquitoes that's amazing that's amazing I'm, I'm thinking of the intricacy of the science that has to be involved of the injecting I, I i get this idea from i guess it was a film from the 1980s kind of was it called inner space yeah when they injected the 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 miniature man in a submarine yeah this is what i'm starting i'm starting to get images of this back from the day but wow and also yes scientists might well have gone mad but that comes with the territory of working in this kind of field i think um but so you've, you're injecting these things. So you're, so you're inserting. So we only had to do that once. Okay. Let me be clear with that. Okay. We only in, did that once. And once we have mosquitoes with Wolbachia, we can then shoot the, the eggs of those mosquitoes anywhere in the world and then back cross those to the local mosquitoes to create the, the, the local Wolbachia line. So the, the guy who, um, who went insane injecting the eggs, <laughs> he no longer has to do that. And, uh, and, okay. and, and you know, he can enjoy he can enjoy his days in the in the in the uh, in the, the nut house where he probably still is. Yeah. Well, that okay. Still amazing. I mean, still totally amazing. And I love that you 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 know you you held up that bottle. It's like an empty Gatorade bottle. It's just these bottles that you're leaving every fifty, hundred meters down the road. But okay. And so then you, I guess, you've got to have the wherewithal and the support of the local communities as well to say we're going to release mosquitoes back into your area things that you've been trying to erase and eradicate uh, and uh, are you know the purveyors of 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 disease and and potential death but we're going to release good ones i mean how do they respond to that yeah so when when i mean i've i've been with the program about 15 years and i used to work in in the on the the southeast asian projects and specifically in um in vietnam and uh, so when we did the first releases in Vietnam in about 2014, I think it was, um, we were petrified. We were like, how are we going to do this? You know, the all they've ever, ever been told is, is mosquitoes are bad. You don't want them in your house. You don't want breeding sites around your house. All the government ever told them was clean up breeding sites, clean up breeding sites. Don't let them breed, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, and... And yeah, and so it was very difficult to say, okay, we have this new idea, this new this new um, approach, and we're going to put mosquitoes into your house. And they were like, you've got to be kidding me. But it was amazing how if, if you engage the community, especially authentically, 
um, they respond. And and I think the biggest thing that I've noticed over over the last eight eight years of releasing mosquitoes in both Asia and in the Americas is that is that when you're not asking for behavior change, most public health um, messaging is around behavior change. You know, wash your hands before you cook. You know, um, um, you know, make sure that there's no breeding sites. You know, vaccinate your children. All of these things. It's it requires the humans to change what they currently do. When we went to the communities, we said we have this thing. This is this is our plan. And this is what we're going to do, and it requires no input from you other than to just normally go about your life. You'll still be bitten by mosquitoes, but they'll be good mosquitoes. And um, and they accepted it, and they and and like overwhelmingly accepted it. So when people understand the project, understand how it works, we've had ninety to ninety five percent community acceptance everywhere that, that we've worked globally, and um. And so that's that's a that's a great thing to know is that is that when people understand it, um, they're very happy. But we also set up systems about the way that we engage the community. We spend a lot of trying to not acceptance of what we're doing, but to have them involved in in the program. And so schools lo love for us to be involved. We can create like a little a little cup, um, and we put mosquito eggs inside a, a capsule that looks like a pill that you swallow and you put that into the cup you fill it up with water and then after the 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 eggs will hatch relatively straight away and about a week later the mosquitoes will start to come out and so there's all these great community um, programs that that we do you find the community champions to to help to help with spreading the word um you know spreading the chismus as we know is quite a big thing you know so we um we we um we get in there and then we but the other thing that's important for us is that we have like a issues uh where we get some feedback from the that's around people saying i'm getting bitten too much my kids are being bitten too much and so we have um methods to deal with that we obviously explain what the program's about what's happening we talk to them talk to their neighbors um, um talk to the community um we can stop releasing in that area. We can release. Um, we can reduce the amount of mosquitoes that we release in in that area. And so it's it's and as I said at the start, it's responding authentically to these queries and these issues. And once people understand it, they're like, "This is this is great," because it's not just about the individual. It gives them a sense of community, which is uh, an important thing. You know, amazing and incredible that you could be able to do this. And of course, I. I can understand why the communities take it on board. Of course, you know the benefits, notwithstanding. But as you say, you're not changing a lifestyle. You're not changing practice, and so on. And so, therefore, you're not telling people that they need to do something else. Because, as as you suggest, that's what creates, a, you know, friction if you're if you're if you're interfering in a life. I think, and so on. So, right. and we've discussed. I mean, dengue is is rife. I mean, dengue, especially in this part of the world, in 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 Colombia, I've had, I've only had it once, but it was hemorrhagic, and I had it at the same time as malaria, the same year as I had dengue, normal dengue, with the first case of malaria. This was in Brazil, in Bahia. I almost didn't live to see thirty years of age. I'm now turning well, I'll be forty six by the time this comes out. So therefore, success story somehow is that I escaped this. But when I was in hospital in Medellin up on the hill, the doctor said to me, because it was just about to give me a full blood transfusion, just about, but I, my platelet stayed above the minimum level, just. She said, listen, 
you may be the unluckiest man alive but you're alive <laughs> and so and it yeah. stuck with me forever uh, dr ana maria if gomez if any day you listen to this thank you again but this is it i mean dengue I, how do we it's, it's going to sound like a trite question but can you explain how you sort of measure success uh, in this project against something as rife as dengue yeah so we have a um uh how we measure impact the way is is to measure the dengue cases historically and then you release Wolbachia and then you measure what happens with dengue after that and so that's what we've been doing in the Abura Valley we've we've released Wolbachia in the city of Bejo and then Medellin and Itagui um, and so those three cities are actually one large urban area and so and and so they actually make up about three and a half million people and so historically dengue in in the valley comes about every six or seven years um, and the last big outbreak was 2006 uh, 16 sorry and then the next big outbreak was supposed to be of june of this year and of course we haven't seen any dengue to date and so you you need time for that to happen you need to sort of wait for when the dengue peaks and troughs come to be able to see if there's a if there's a difference and so far i can say that the dengue transmission um in Medellin, and bejo and itagui is at historical lows historical lows for about the last two and a bit years and so and so it's a little bit early for us to say that is completely because of Wolbachia but we know that Wolbachia has has quite an influence um, um, in in that space we we also undertook uh, um, a better uh, program um, um, for um, to measure impact um, and what we did was we, we had three areas um, in Medellin that received Wolbachia and we had three areas that did not receive Wolbachia and they were the the communas that have the historically the highest amount of dengue transmission inside them and the idea was that we would actively look for dengue cases and so we worked with the clinics in, in those areas and we said if anyone turns up that that looks like they have dengue send them to us we'll take a blood sample and we'll check and see and so we undertook that over a, over a, a four-year period um, but unfortunately, it didn't work that well because there's no dengue transmission in the rest of the valley. So there's no dengue transmission in the, in those areas. And so we needed to get about 100 dengue cases and we only found about 25. So but again, it, that's a little bit more evidence that um, that it's working. Um, but our best evidence was in the city of Jogjakarta in Indonesia, where we where we took a, a city that didn't have any Wolbachia in it, and we split the city up into into places that received Wolbachia, places that didn't receive Wolbachia, and that and that was what we would call a gold standard trial, um, and it showed that dengue um, transmission reduced by about eighty percent in the areas that had Wolbachia, and so eighty percent is pretty good. It's better than any of the vaccines that are on the market for dengue at the moment. Um, and it's obviously uh, a safer, uh, and it's you know it's it's safe for humans. It's, it doesn't affect the environment, and it's sustainable. You know, Wolbachia mosquitoes will last will last you know for forever. And so, and so that's that's our our evidence, and and the evidence is growing more and more all the time. 
Uh, and I, so those those pockets that get more back here and the ones that don't, you know, like the ones that don't in Jakarta, for example, that's the control, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're right. saying. So, so you've got the control. I remember that from my science classes back in the day. Right. I wasn't I was not a scientist, but I remember that. So um, now the reason I, you know, I didn't know anything about this, uh, this project. Uh, and the reason it came to mind is that I saw. I guess I don't know where it was published, but it was a letter or a, or a, an article written by Bill Gates very recently, uh, and he was saying, and it was addressed about malaria. And now, is this moving towards not an eradication, but a reduction in malarial cases as well? Is this what you're aiming for? So we, the World Mosquito Program, does not does not work in the malaria field. Um, we have enough on our plate with what we're doing, um, but there are there are people, there are research groups out there who are trying to get Wolbachia into the malaria mosquitoes. Um, and so far, not with any great success. And so, and so I think that's why, that's why people are, are giving up in, in, in that it hasn't been um, a simple process. Like it, well, it wasn't a simple process to get Wolbachia into Aedes aegypti, um, but it was obviously achievable in four or five years. Um, that hasn't been the, the case for the Deanopheles mosquitoes where they've been working on this for 20 years and they just can't can't make it work. So Wolbachia probably probably won't be a, um, a solution for malaria, unfortunately. And why, why, why can't it work? I mean, I, you know, to the layman, layperson like myself, who's a mosquito is a mosquito. I mean, why, what, what, is, what is the technicality there? Do we know? Uh, I don't know personally. I mean, it's 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 about it's about getting the 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 bacteria, the Wolbachia, to to adapt to that environment, you know. And so and so, what they do is they they've been leaving Wolbachia in cell culture of of these of these different mosquito species um, for years and years and years in the in the in the hope that they adapt so that you can inject them in the same as we did for Aedes aegypti. And there's different there's different subspecies of Wolbachia. Um, that um, that that they've been trying to do that with, not just with um, with the one that that we use, but yeah, it's just it just doesn't work for some reason. I mean, so it's so so very disappointing. But of course, you've come so far with the others, you know, Zika, chikungunya, yeah. dengue. Uh, it, you've come so far, oh, and yellow fever, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yellow fever is one of the one of the big ones. You guys, you guys yeah. are reducing as well. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so Wolbachia blocks that as well in the in the Aedes aegypti mosquito. So it's 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 pretty fantastic in in the sense that at at the moment any any virus that is transmitted through Aedes aegypti, Wolbachia will block. There's also a um, a virus coming out of Brazil called Majaro, M A Y A R O, um, and it, it blocks that as well. So you know it's pretty it's pretty interesting. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. So I have to ask. I don't know anything about this Majaro. Tell me, tell me about that. I mean, why, why does Brazil seem to be sort of ground zero for these things? <laughs> oh, you know, I think I think you know Brazil is um, obviously it's a very big city, and I think that um, big city, big country, and um, and the reason for that is is that it's completely tropical. It doesn't have it doesn't have the altitude places like like Bogota or Quito or Mexico City, you know, and so and so it's all tropical and so tropical diseases there flourish, you know. So um, Miaro is a, 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 um, a similar to, to, to dengue and to, to chikungunya, you know, it's, it's, um, it's but it's, it, I mean, the, the symptoms are, are similar, 
you know and so and so yeah it's 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 again it's it it, it doesn't have the 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 crippling effects of dengue though it, it's it, it's not it's not as likely to 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 kill you as say one of the, the dengue serotypes though okay and it doesn't uh, create the encephalitis in the newborns or uh, and so yeah. on okay thank thank but then you know i the, obviously the the photos were you know horrifying of what these you know poor families and poor children uh, of course that drew attention to what was going on but if we've got a new one that's majura coming through and it's not as deadly then it's i mean it just won't get the news i mean that's the truth of it unfortunately but i digress <laughs> no you're absolutely right you know i think that's that's one of our 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 issues is that dengue is still considered a, a, a neglected tropical disease um, compared to malaria and that's basically because of the death rates you know as opposed to the um, the case rates you know 400 million cases of dengue per year um, and governments don't put any money into it you know or, or hardly any money to it, except probably the Brazilians mm. and, and no I don't know if I'm I'm correct on this but back back 15 odd years ago in Colombia I recall and so I haven't updated my uh, my knowledge on this but you know, I have, I have, again, like I said, I spent a lot of time on the Caribbean coast and, and, and so on. Now, once there were, you, the government would release the, you know, the, the money for fumigations in small towns, maybe in barrios and everything else. Once two cases of dengue had been reported and it always seemed to me as a bit of a, you know, okay, well, you've missed you've missed the opportunity here. If you're if you're if you're doing, you know, you're, you're going to fumigate after it's already started, and people are already. It always seemed to me a bit odd, but then that's bureaucracy, and then that's several other things. Is that still the case now? Do you know? Is that if a small town reports two cases of 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 dengue, okay, yeah, now the government will will go and fumigate. Yeah, so it depends on the the municipality. Um, it depends on the resources that they have. Um, but yeah, that's generally so. Generally, what happens in a in a dengue outbreak is that you have four people, five people live in the same house on average. You know, there's about five people per per residence. Um, and because the Aedes aegypti mosquito is a very is a very domestic mosquito, a very urban mosquito, it wants to live in some. Okay, and so it does live in the forest like other mosquito species, it, and it lives in houses because it, the, the females prefer to feed on human blood, not on dog blood or pig blood or or horse blood. And so, and so, if they're in the house, um, um, they tend to take multiple people who live inside the house. So the mosquito, um, um, the virus inside it, and it bites. The four or five people who live in that house it's generally will happen that the four or five people will probably pick up dengue and so what the municipalities want to do the the the, the vector control people is they want to find those cases initially and go to those houses spray them with insecticide to try and kill that mosquito and other mosquitoes from feeding on those people when the virus is 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 active inside them um so yeah that's still the policy the problem of course is that the mosquitoes are very resistant to insecticides and so and so they might not they might not kill them all and i think that's similar to cultures mosquitoes are incredibly insects and they're they're incredibly difficult to kill they always they seem to find a way to survive regardless you know so so i think that that's again one of the reasons that we think what what we do is is very elegant is that it doesn't require um to try and <laughs> 
battle wits with an insect that's very hard to kill. You just you just change them internally and then just let them live in the environment. It's a perfect vector, isn't it? The mosquito. So I mean, you know, we, we've talked all about this a bit and and so on. I, I think it's a fascinating. I mean, a truly fascinating. Uh, you know, project this, of course, I mean, and it's owned by Monash University in Australia, and there's funding that comes well, originally came from the Gates Foundation. I mean, so there's you know there's as serious serious people behind this. And I mean, have you ever had dengue? I, I should ask. No, it's it's amazing. You know, I've worked um, <laughs> for almost thirty years and I've never had it. But a lot of close people around me have had it. Almost. Almost everybody, you know, has has had it, and and yeah. So I'm just, you know, <laughs> knock on wood um, to this day. Yeah, uh, I, I can tell you though, it's it's so unpleasant. It is so unpleasant, you know that you get the fever that first day or the second day, and then it goes away, and you think, oh, it was just a little fever, and then that when it comes back with that added, you know, added fury and aggression and it really does feel like your bones are crushing i mean it's just yeah. I, I, it, yeah. I honestly the world is ending you're in that situation so i i, I mean so for, okay so we i got to 12 countries that you're based in you're in medellin bejo itagui sabaneta cali where are you going to expand to in colombia please tell me you're going to the caribbean coast or you're already there we we definitely want to. So at the moment we're working in Cali, and we're we've we've done about a third of the city, and we're um, we've got money to do about another third, um, and and we're we're looking for for money to complete Cali, as Cali is the most endemic city um, within the country. Um, we're also um, trying very hard, and we've, we're negotiations are moving forward to to find um, money to do the Caribbean coast. Um, metropolitan area, um, with about six or seven municipalities, about 2.2 million people, um, and then the um, the port city of Cartagena. So so they're our, our, our targets, um, and we're actually um, expecting that those to be funded through um, through local money rather than through through international money. So our 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 big our big move in Colombia is is to is to get Wolbachia to become vector control policy, which then means that um, money from the government can be spent towards it. So at the at the moment, we're just classified as a research program within the country. I would say you're you're greater than that, but again, it's just the classification almost politically, isn't it? I think I think it's an, it's truly it's. It's mind blowing to think of the science that has gone in and the the minds that have been employed into this. I mean, I my hat goes off to you. This is one of those good news uh, episodes here on the Columbia Calling podcast. Not often that we, you know, unfortunately we, we we end up reporting on quite a lot of negative stuff. But I try and mix it up a little bit, and I like this. I mean, this this again, having suffered from, I've had what have I had? I've had. Dengue twice, so hemorrhagic malaria. I've had, I've had typhoid, but that's not mosquito. Uh, what else? Have I, I can't remember what else, but diphtheria. I think you know, I, I, and, and almost anything tropical aside from. Thankfully, I've not had Zika or yellow fever or chikungunya. Well, I've had COVID, I suppose you can say that too. But <laughs> it's not top trumps, is it? It's not top trumps about what you've, what, who's got what, and so on. But um, it's so. 
it's so reassuring to know that these things are going on. It's so reassuring to know that there are there are these science uh, these these laboratories doing these things. And and you know, I, I'm a pretty up to speed person with most things. And not to know that it's happening in the city of Medellin is it was quite shocking to me. So I think it's I think it's excellent. And and I, let me say. I, Thank you for your time. It's it it seems painfully underreported. Uh, let's get the message, albeit on my tiny corner of the internet and of the podcast world. Uh, maybe one person who's philanthropic out there is listening, and he wants to fund the next third of Cali. You know, so hopefully. But thank you, Simon Kutcher, for your time. I mean, it's really been quite enlightening. Not a problem. It's it's been enjoyable. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. I, I apologize for the noise, children, dogs, everything has been, it's just one of those days when you have a family. I, I don't know what's going on, but this, this has been really interesting. Check out the World Mosquito Program online. They've got sort of, you know, blog posts and updates from the field. Simon Kutcher is the senior project manager here in Colombia. He's been, you know, I mean, you've been in the implementation of international development uh, for 25 years. You know what you're doing. That's what it says on the website. Anyway, you know what you're doing. You know what you're talking about. Um, it really is quite quite groundbreaking, in my opinion. So thank you again to the World Mosquito Program and Senior Project Man Manager Simon Kutcher for their time. Uh, we will be back next week, of course, with further stories from Colombia. I really like this one, though. I really like this one about the mosquitoes having you know having suffered from uh, mosquito-borne diseases myself. Uh, I guess I guess that's uh, that's really it for us this week. We'll go over to some messages from our sponsors, and of course, please share the word, share the podcast, go onto our Patreon site, and and you know to read up on on what's going on. So thank you again, everyone, for listening, and of course, keep subscribing. This episode was brought to you by. Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. And also, our other sponsor is BNB Colombia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Colombia Tours can provide you with fantastic private experiences, creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. Check out the website at bnbcolombia.com, complete the free itinerary form, and tell them that Colombia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So that's bnbcolombia.com and, of course, latinnews.com. Thank you for everyone for listening. That's us. Farewell. And, of course, check back next week. Bye-bye.